some people are just inherently indecisive because, and that's all nurture, by the way. It's not nature. You can't say I was born indecisive. I was born a procrastinator. Usually, if you're a procrastinator and you're indecisive, you have a hard time making decisions, it's nature or nurture, meaning mom and dad taught you that. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron. Real quick, do you want to know the one thing that has helped me accelerate my business and career faster more than anything else? It's learning from people who have already done it and putting myself in a room with people who are well ahead of me on a regular basis. That's exactly what you're gonna have a chance to do at PT BizCon March 19th through 21st. And on top of that, when you get a ticket to PT BizCon, you'll also get a free copy of the PT Business Growth Manifesto, a brand new downloadable action guide where you'll learn the six growth strategies that the most successful PT business owners have had to learn the hard way. This will literally save you hundreds of hours of your own time and thousands of dollars. To be sure you get access to this and the other exclusive early bird bonuses, be sure you grab your ticket to PT BizCon before Sunday, February 9th. Just go to ptbizcon.com, that's P-T-B-I-Z-C-O-N.com, and at the very least, just go check out the page to see the amazing speakers we've secured and who you're going to have the opportunity to network with and learn from. I'll see you there in March. Now enjoy the show. So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. This is your host, Aaron LeBauer, and today my special guest is Bedros Koulian. Bedros is the CEO of FitBody Bootcamp, which is the Inc. 500 fastest growing franchise. He's crushing it with the coaching programs and fitness and et cetera. And Bedros is also my coach, and he may not know this, but he inspired me to get started doing this 12 years ago. So, Bedros, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and making time to join us today. Aaron, first off, thank you so much for the opportunity to impact you and your tribe. And secondly, wow, I did not know that. And that's so awesome, man. What a great feeling. Yeah. So 12, it was about 12 years ago, back in 2008, I'm sitting here trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to start a physical therapy practice without insurance when all the physical therapy, marketing and business companies are telling me I got to go market to physicians and do all this. And I was like, how am I going to do that? And I'm pretty sure I, I found your PT Power blog post on Google, Google Maps and how to do SEO yeah. because I was, must have been looking for PT marketing. Mm -hmm. So here's the other funny thing is I was showing someone that same blog post about three years ago. I was like, dude, check this out. Like, this is the thing that got me started. And then the next day I started seeing your, uh, you, you pixeled me and I started seeing your uh, information about your new podcast, yeah. you know, uh, Empire Podcast. And I started following you again. And I was like, oh. So thank you very much because you really helped me reach people online when what I was being told is I had to do it in a different way. So yeah. that's, that's why we're here, something from 12 years ago. And dude, you know what? And let that be a lesson to all of us as entrepreneurs that there's always a newer and better way because what we learned back then, we can't apply today because there's different technology, different buying behavior. And currently we live in a generation of I want it and I want it now. Think about like with Netflix, you get to watch the shows that you want mm -hmm. on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. You get to order the food that you want, boom, to show up with Grubhub. You get to call a car just off an app. So we live in the convenience economy. And if we don't adjust our business towards the new way of the economy or the way people are thinking, we'll just be left behind if we do business the old way. So that's a great lesson that you just shared. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I wanted to share everyone a little bit about where you come from and, and what, you're, what you've been doing. And I know a lot about you, but maybe can you just share a few minutes about like, what's your story about like, why did you become a personal trainer and get into the training and you know, like this whole thing, like what happened initially? Yeah, I, I, I am not supposed to be the guy that I am. Truth be told, I should be some guy in Armenia working as a cab driver or maybe a, a mechanic on a car because my mom and dad, we escaped the Soviet Union, Armenia, 1980. I was six years old. I was a kid when we came to the United States. I didn't speak English. I didn't understand the culture. And it was a very scary situation for me because I was getting bullied in school 
when I started going to school here. I was obviously the foreigner. And so whenever you stand out in elementary school, especially, you get bullied and picked on. And so I grew up kind of eating my emotions because, well, when you get picked on and stuff, you're pretty emotional and you're angry and upset and hurt. And so before I know, by the time I got to high school, I was a pretty overweight kid, man. I had like 35, 40 pounds of fat. Like I had boy boobs. Mm -hmm. And right around 11th grade, I realized, wait a minute, prom's coming up next year. And if I have any chance of going to prom, I got to... I got to lose the weight, man. I've got to get in shape. No girl is going to want to go to prom with me. So I asked this guy who was in my science class. He was on the football team. His name is Dave. I'm like, Dave, you're in great shape, man. And no other athlete wants to talk to me, but you're my, you're my lab partner in science class. So we're friends. How do I get in shape so that I, next year I can ask Nakaya to the prom? And uh, he goes, dude, you got to work out. You got to eat right. So he took me to the school gym. And Aaron, it was the most intimidating experience of my life because these guys are like grunting and sweating and lifting a ton of weight, bench pressing, deadlifting and squatting. I'm like, I, I don't belong here. Like the bar on the bench press was so clunky and awkward. And I'm like, I can't even lift the bar. These guys are putting two and three plates on. Mm -hmm. But Dave kept taking me back. And that summer before senior year, I kept working out on my own. I ate as clean as I could. And being a young man full of testosterone, I got pretty fast results that summer. Yeah. I came back senior year in better shape, more confident. And while I never had enough confidence to ask Nakaya to the prom, so I never did go to the prom, I, I found myself in this place where I was like, man, after, after high school, I think I'm going to go to college and then become a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. Because I just wanted to help more people lose weight, get fit, more importantly, build their confidence. Like the way my self-esteem and my self-image changed, I would have never imagined in those 90 days. So of course, I went to Fullerton Junior College after high school and uh, 37 days later, I dropped out because school never agreed with me and I never agreed with school. But I did get certified as a personal trainer and then my journey began. What I didn't realize is just because you're in great shape, you got muscles, doesn't mean people are gonna throw their money at you and wanna work out with you. So then. I had this personal training client, his name is Jim Franco, and he goes, look, you're a personal trainer, and you're a fry cook and a busboy at Disneyland, and you're a bouncer at a bar. If you just learn to market yourself, and if you learn how to sell, you would have more personal training clients, and you wouldn't need the two side jobs. And he literally started to mentor me, and taught me how to sell and market, and how to be enthusiastic and persuade and influence. And over the next three to five years, I started to understand entrepreneurship and opened up my first personal training studio on my own. Wow. Wow. So that, that's really awesome. So where did like the, like, did, I mean, were you even thinking when you're like, hey, I'm going to go start a personal training gym or was it just like, I have to do this? What was the thing that like really pushed you to do it? Because you could have gone in, in a different direction and said, nope, not going to do it. Like, Absolutely. Great question, man. I always looked at myself as someone who, was probably going to have a high paying job. I never really thought that I was meant to be an entrepreneur. My dad was an entrepreneur, but he, he was more like he owned a job. He owned a tailor store and he worked for himself. And I thought maybe at best I'll be that guy. Right. But here's the powerful thing about a mentor, like what you do, what I do. Mentors have outside eyes and they have the ability to look into our life and go, man, I see talent in you. I see abilities in you that you yet don't see. And because of that, Jim Franco literally said, man, I have confidence in you. I think one day you can open up a, your own studio. I think one day you can have trainers working for you. I think one day you can have multiple studios. And I was like, Jim, are you serious? Like, I didn't believe that. Like, that's not, that track record doesn't exist in my family. And so what I did is I literally rode on the confidence of my mentor. So when I didn't have confidence, I literally borrowed his confidence because dude, when a millionaire believes in you, yeah. Well, there is a sense of like, well, he might know something I don't, right? So literally, think about this. In high school, I had a mentor in the gym, my, you know, my friend in science class. When I look back, I realize it's all mentorship. And then my personal training client, he becomes a mentor and helps me understand that I can learn to sell, I can learn to market, I can learn to be a leader. And that mentor helped me think much bigger and help me scale and structure what is now this massive international franchise that we have, where we have like, you know, hundreds of locations worldwide of our Fit by the Bootcamp brand. And I, if you asked me back then, 20 years ago, I'd be like, dude, you're nuts. That's not yeah. going to be. 
Who's, uh, who's your mentor now and who's helping you get to the next level? Good question. So, so ever since I realized, all right, there's mentors everywhere. Sometimes they're around you and you know, you're training in my case, other times you have to pay for them. And so currently I have a speaking coach, Craig Ballantyne is a, is a, it's funny. He ended up being someone that I was coaching and few years ago, I hired him as a coach to help me create more structure to my day so that I can scale our brand even bigger. I've hired him, paid him $25,000 to come speak to our staff mm-hmm. and increase their productivity. So I'm always looking for more mentors and coaches, whether it's for copywriting, speaking, to be better on media because we've got a PR company. Well, how do I represent myself and my brand and how do I message when I only have two and a half to three minutes on a segment on Fox News. Right. Like I have coaches that teach me how to deliver a bullet points at a, as quickly as I can in that short segment that I have. So I've hired from copywriters to, to speakers to mar- funnel experts to you name it. I am not afraid to hire coaches. In fact, I'll be very honest with you, and you know this, but I'll be honest mm-hmm. with your audience. I've even worked with a therapist for 16 months, and you can look at that as a mentor to get through the mental blocks here because I was abused as a kid. There was some sexual abuse that I had in my life. And then I come to this country and I get physically abused and bullied. Well, you can imagine that was pretty traumatic on me. And I knew it was limiting my growth. Mm -hmm. And so at the age of 38, I'm 45 now, at the age of 38, I said, why am I not trying to figure out what's going on up here, the limiting beliefs? And so I worked with the therapist for 16 months every week and we literally unpacked all that crap that was limiting me and my growth and literally created massive opportunity and trajectory for me. Yeah. Was there something like that like happened to you or that someone said to you that you were like, oh, I need to go work with a therapist versus like deal with it by eating more ice cream or, you know, <laughs> alcohol or any of these other things that people you know, use? It wasn't that someone was like, hey, this is what's happening. You might go see a therapist. I saw a recurring pattern yeah. of self-destruction. I would grow in business and then I would self-destruct it. I would do well in my relationship and then I would start Mm self-destructing. I would do good in my health and then start pigging out and getting fat again. And I realized there's a pattern where I felt unworthy of happiness, success, uh, a great relationship, an amazing physique. And I was like, I think there's a pattern here. And I started, truth be told, I started getting anxiety attacks in my late 30s because of that. And I went to the doctor to get Xanax, believe it or not. And the doctor's like, look, the Xanax is going to make you drowsy. And I'm like, well, let me try it. I didn't like it because it killed all my creativity. So I was like, well, what's the next best thing? He goes, go work with the therapist. Mm-hmm. They'll help you, you know, un-F yourself. Like, I, I, I figured, like, my head was f effed up. And he, he goes, go work with the therapist. He's going to help you un- unfuck yourself. And so it's effectively what I did because I saw a pattern of self-destruction, a negative pattern. And we all see it in our lives. It could be pornography. It could be like me, you build, 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 and then destroy in different areas of your life. It could be overeating like I was. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. The pattern doesn't change. It just repeats itself. And you have to be aware of that and go, there's something inside that's causing this. And I better see an expert who's far smarter than I am because what got me here is not going to get me out of it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, um, that's really important. And, and um, you know, it's like the self-discovery piece. It's like being open and willing to see something new about yourself when you're struggling, right? Yeah. Was, was there something at that time that, that you messed up, that you did, that you're like, I really fucked that up and I wish I could go back and do it or maybe that put you to this path, but like what was the biggest uh, there was, problem there you were was- having? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see where you're going with this. And actually, I ended up writing a book on it, right? Called yeah. Man Up. The big thing that finally was like the straw that broke the camel's back was that in my mid-30s, I'm looking at our, you know, see people see Fit Body Bootcamp right now, and it's an international franchise, and we're on the Inc. list, and we're on the Entrepreneur Fastest Growing Franchise list. What they don't know is when I first started it up, within three years, I was $640,000 in debt. I had leveraged my house. My marriage was very tense. I was a jerk of a husband and a father because I was just so angry and and afraid of failing that I would come home and be a jerk. And that led to those anxiety attacks. So the big thing was, man, my business is failing. My health is starting to fail. I'm seeing that my marriage is going down that path. I better do something about it because soon I'm going to be a very broke, unhealthy, single guy. And I didn't want that. Yeah. When the pain gets great enough, 
we start leaning towards action and the pain had gotten great enough. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it is? Because we both know a lot of people who are afraid to take action or they're not getting, you know, they're not like moving forward. Is it because they're not in enough pain or the, or there's there something else about the decision-making process to get out of where they are? Well, that's a good question. I mean, some people are just inherently indecisive because, yeah. and that's all nurture, by the way. It's not nature. You can't say I was born indecisive. I was born a procrastinator. Usually if you're a procrastinator and you're indecisive, you have a hard time making decisions, it's nature or nurture, meaning mom and dad taught you that behavior, mm-hmm. which means it can be untaught. You can learn to be decisive. So you have to realize, uh, am I an indecisive person and therefore I didn't make enough decisions to get me out of this problem and to put me in a better path? Or is there really something wrong that led to this? Like for me, it wasn't a, that I was indecisive. It was that I made a series of bad decisions in business that got me there and what got me there couldn't get me out of it. So I needed outside eyes, outside help. Yeah, no, I got you. Okay. Do you like, when you're faced with a big decision, let's say today, like whether you're hiring a, you know, another COO or CFO or head of your true lean or, you know, hiring someone fit by bootcamp or deciding where to invest, how do you go about making these big decisions in your life? Like, is there a process that you go through or is it you trust your gut? I mean, what, what are you doing right now? Good question. The only really gut trust I have is I feel I've, after all these years, I've developed and I just want to stress that I've developed, I didn't have this, I developed the ability to find the right people, to choose the right people. And I start by saying, all right, I want to launch a supplement company and attach that to my franchise, Fit Body Bootcamp, so that we can start selling supplements to the millions of people that we train worldwide. It just made sense. That would be a massive income stream immediately. But I don't have the horsepower. In other words, if you look at EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, I don't have the GWC. I don't get it. I don't know how to run a supplement company. I don't want to do that. I don't have the W. I don't have the time. I don't have the capacity, the desire, the capacity, the ability. And so if I don't have the GWC, who can I find? So I now have this innate ability to look for people who I can recruit and bring in, give them very specific clarity on the vision that I have for this company, Truline, the supplement company, and then they build a team around themselves and they execute. So I've worked really hard over the last seven years to become a a strong leader because leadership is not factory installed for me. Mm -hmm. Like leadership is the thing that's furthest from factory installed for me. Like traps are factory installed. I can, I can do, I can do squats and my traps grow. Uh, (laughs) That's factory installed. Leadership is not factory installed for me. And so I had to learn to become a better leader an effective leader. And when I did, I was able to pick the right people, bring them into my organization, download the vision Mm-hmm. that I have for the company and then empower them to build a team and business around by saying, here are your KPIs, key performance indicators. And then of course I inspect what I expect. I don't just go, go run with it. I'm always inspecting the numbers, the KPIs, the process that I'm expecting for them to follow. Is this process, this is something you've learned over time, right? Yeah. And making, and, and we both know that requires a little bit of failure. Would and, and we a lot of failure, right? And so here, like I know that we would we are both unemployable. Would you say that you're fail proof at this point? I'm not fail proof because just just a year ago, I made a two and a half million dollar mistake with the supplement yeah. company we were just talking about. I brought the right person in, but we launched it the wrong way. Mm. And so I'm certainly not fail proof. But what I am is, well, I am fail proof, but I am. Not, I, I still fail, Yeah, but I thrive. But it's the failure's not the thing that's keeping you from moving forward. It's just, a, we went down the wrong path. Let's go to the next one versus failure is what stops you. You nailed it because I still fail. The difference is like most people, they fail and they accept defeat. Mm-hmm. I fail and then go, oh, that's just a way not to do it. Yeah. Just backtrack and go. Now it's like, well, dude, you did that with a two and a half million dollar failure. Yep. But remember my first sets of failures were more like a thousand dollar failure and then a three thousand and then a hundred thousand and then half a million so and it doesn't matter the level that i am now a two and a half million dollar failure is the equivalent of someone else's fifty dollar failure it's just can you take the punches get back up and go down the right path yeah you said it was funny you said last week at the mastermind you said when you get punched in the face don't fall down that's it i don't fall down anymore like i used to 
Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so you were talking a little bit about leadership. So tell me like, what are the signs of, what are the signs of a bad leader? Like, what did you, what were you doing in leading your team? Looking back, you're like, don't, don't ever do that again. <laughs> yeah. So the number one sign of a bad leader is someone who expects one thing from his team, mm -hmm. but does exactly the opposite of what they expect from their team. So I expected my team to have attention to detail, to show up on time, and to do everything right, yet I was awake late at night, binge-watching TV, showed up late, and had no attention to detail, because when you're tired and exhausted and stressed out, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And so basically, the number one thing that a bad leader has is the imposter syndrome. You're mm -hmm. acting like you're being an imposter, you're being a fraud, because you expect one thing, but you're, you're doing another. You're a hypocrite. So hypocrisy is the number one mistake that leaders have. And they think, well, if I just tell them what to do and I don't show them that I'm making those mistakes, they won't know. Yeah. Dude, I'm not the most woo-woo person, but I can tell you this, the universe knows. Like, if I ask all my, my team members to wake up at 6 a.m., but I wake up at 7 a.m., even if they're not next to me in my bed to see me waking up at 7 a.m., there's something that I'm doing subconsciously that's sending them that message that's telling them that I'm a hypocrite, that's forcing them to not do what they're supposed to do. So hypocrisy is number one. Poor communication is number two. And by the way, a Harvard Business School study shows that 89% of us are poor communicators. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who you are. So poor communication. If a leader can't communicate well, how are you ever going to take the vision that you have here of your company and translate it to every videographer, every support person, every sales rep? You can't. So you're like, why can't they execute on the vision? Because you haven't communicated. Failure number three is poor decision mm -hmm. and being indecisive. If you are an indecisive leader, you will never, ever be able to thrive and have a team that has confidence in you. So we, we discussed a little bit last week and about how, you know, I work with my wife and you work with your, your wife and yeah. they both have different roles. Can you share some insight? Because there's a lot of people listening that work with their significant other and uh, or spouse in the business. Can you share like, how are you guys differentiating your roles in the business and how did you like, how'd you kind of start figuring that piece out? Sure. Sure. Like anything else at first, it was very ugly, right? Like yeah. we, we both try and uh, literally manage the same people. And then the people go, wait, the, she gave me one message. You gave me the other dude. Like, what should I do? Cause you're both my boss. You both <laughs> give me a paycheck. And so, and then of course, then her and I would argue cause it's like, Hey, you can't tell him to do that. I want him to do this. She's like, well, I think he should do that. And so we realized what we need to do is we need to assign each other our lanes. Mm -hmm. So my lane is, all right, as a CEO, I've got marketing and sales, period. Anything that has to do with the growth of the company where marketing and sales is concerned, that's under my jurisdiction. I'll handle those people. I'll bring new people on board. I'll train them. I'll fire them. Everything that has to do with support mm -hmm. and structure, financial structure, our bean counters, our accountants, our CPAs is all under her jurisdiction. And so because of that, I'm not walking into Connie's office and saying, Connie, you and Irene, those are our two in-house accountants, need to do X, Y, and Z, because I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And if I did, I would only be contradicting my wife, because that's her jurisdiction. She's not walking to our sales team and saying, hey, Greg, Mike, Rose, you guys need to do blah, blah, blah moving forward, and I'm cutting your budget by $2,000 a week, because she would literally be screwing our sales up, right? right. And so once we had our own lanes identified, and our roles and responsibilities clearly set out. We meet once a day for one hour, so I can hear what's going on in her world, she can hear what's going on in my world, and then we go and do our own thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're not in the same room. Yeah. We're literally on, I mean, you've been in this building, we're on opposite corners of a 15,000 square foot building. And so you have a meeting at work about work, and then you guys do a date night that probably has very little to do with work, hopefully. Very little. <laughs> on, on Wednesdays, we have a scheduled date night every Wednesday. And then at home, like if I'm sitting on the couch at 9 o'clock and we're watching uh, an episode of our favorite show, and yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, I got to tell her something. I used to just blurt it out. And then now she and I start talking about business. And then we go to sleep with that on our mind. How much does she really want to make love to me or vice versa? Mm -hmm. Right? So now when I'm like, oh, shoot, I got to tell her something. I just bust out my iPhone, send her an email, and she'll do the same. And I don't check my emails at night. Yeah. In the morning, I got an email from her when she was sitting right next to me the night before. But now we just leave it all there. Yeah. So it's really about having discipline and structure in your marriage and not letting your business 
consume your relationship. Like I came home today for lunch. My daughter had just like a, a temperature and she stayed home from school. So I came home for lunch so my wife could go to work for a little bit. And she, I walked in the door and I had this smirk on her face. She's like, what? And I just like, I was like, well, don't you think? Well, and she was like, oh, you can't throw that on me. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's like sometimes right. it's controlling the blurt, right? You know? Exactly. Exactly right. That's tough, isn't it? Tough, But it's tough when like there's ideas going a million miles an hour in your head. Oh my God. Is it ever? I've literally like had to like clench my teeth to not let those words come out because I realize now in hindsight, like it could be another two hours of debating on the couch mm-hmm. or in the hot tub. Because then after we watch one episode of our, whatever our favorite show is at the time, we go in the hot tub. Let me tell you, the hot tub is just to relax my body, to relax her, get all warm and fuzzy and then go to bed, not go fists up with my CFO. Cause she's my CFO. I'm the CEO, you know, not argue and, with my CFO and then end up crawling into bed with her and then, you know, laying in bed like this, <laughs> why am I here? Right? Like that's how right. it used to be. So you fall enough into that trap. You learn how to keep your dang mouth shut at night. That's right. So I'm pretty sure that like all those ideas in your head, all the, like the, the way that your brain moves pretty quickly, like you can keep up with me, you know, I'm no, you probably got this thing too. It's like, you're, how do you channel that into the success and creativity and things you're doing. I mean, part, I'm sure it's absolutely integral to some of your success, a big part of your success, but how do you channel it into the right things and leave some of these things to the side that would just take you off track? Good, good question. And uh, that's called entrepreneurial discipline. Like I'm so clear on what my vision is and what my zone of genius is, mm-hmm. because you can imagine just like you ideas and opportunities get thrown at me. Like my business partner, Craig, who, you know, will be like, dude, I got this great idea. And it might make sense for him when where he is in his life because he doesn't have a wife and kids right now and he's got the opportunity and time availability to do that. But I don't. So I have to learn to say no if it's not Fit Body Bootcamp related and if it's not project related or coaching related, I won't do it because it's I'm literally stealing time away from my wife, kids, and my own personal health and experience. I'm 45 and I'm in the best shape of my life. And that's because I finally have learned to say no. The best entrepreneurs are disciplined enough to say no so that they can say yes to the things that matter. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you know, what was interesting, and this is a slightly different, but remember last week, Dan Fleischman, I think you were there, he said, by saying yes, he really says no because people don't follow through. Right. And I was like, holy cow, you're right. It's, it's the opposite saying, but it's really the two different lanes going forward where people don't follow through yeah. And he's, he's not really actually saying yes. He just yeah. knows they won't. And the example he was using there is when people hit him up on social media and say, hey, Dan, I got this great idea that you should invest in. And of course, rather than saying no and being a bad guy and then going back and forth with them, he goes, yes, I'm on board with it. Just send me your pitch deck. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm like 99% never get around to sending a pitch deck because they don't even know what it is and how to make one. And they're yeah. lazy and they're not really serious about it anyway. So it's like, for him, it's the perfect filtration system. Yeah, and that's amazing. It's, it was just like, holy cow. So by doing that, that allows you to stay focused on the things you enjoy, which, um, which is what, like leading your team, the vision of Fit Body Bootcamp, coaching, what, and what else? Project, yeah. Project. Yeah. So what's the, what's the project? In it? Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? <laughs> that project is the most emotionally violent self-help program for male entrepreneurs ever developed. That's the best way I can describe it. And then people go, what? Emotionally violent? Yes. Uh, myself, uh, as a very successful entrepreneur, if I do mm-hmm. speak to myself, a Navy SEAL who you've met, Ray Care, and he was also had 40 deployments with the CIA after the SEAL program. He, was only, he only told me about after that when I hired him. He's like, yeah. dude, by the way, that last deployment I was on, I was still with the CIA. I'm like, still? He goes, yeah, I've got 40 deployments under my belt with the CIA. I'm like, holy smokes. A former SWAT officer, a combat Marine, uh, Steve mm-hmm. Eckhart, and, a, and an MMA fighter, and also he's the VP of Truling, Aaron. So the five of us coach groups of men, 12 to 16 men at a time, who are entrepreneurs and who are overwhelmed, stressed, having a hard time balancing business and family. You know, most men were taught to just suck it up, just deal with it, don't complain about it. You're a man after all. And we end up suffering in silence, white knuckling through life. And for me, the extent of that was I overate and I overdrugged myself by taking NyQuil and Vicodin every night to go to sleep. 
and because my brain just wouldn't stop working. I was stressing about money. I felt like I was choosing my business over my family. And then when I was with my family, I started to resent them because I wanted to be with the business because mm -hmm. it was failing. And men don't have anyone to talk to. What are you going to go talk to a therapist? And the therapist is not going to understand what you do as an entrepreneur and how fast you move and the craziness that happens. And so after hearing from enough men, after writing my book, Man Up, who were like, dude, thank you for being honest about your struggles, your suffering, your white knuckling through life, your how you used all these drugs to fall asleep and used all these drugs to wake back up. Like I did, then it was like Adderall and caffeine and pre-workout to then wake up in the morning, right? After all those sedatives I took at night. It was all because I was stressed, overwhelmed, didn't feel I could talk to anyone about it and had to like suck it up. And a lot of men feel that way. So I created the project where these five very intense personalities uh, it's almost like the Navy SEAL training. So we break these men down physically, mentally, and emotionally, show them the, that they can lead themselves better, mm -hmm. lead a team better. And so they lead that team of 12 to 16. At, at some point, every man gets the opportunity during the 75 hours to lead. They get to problem solve. They get to communicate, give open and honest feedback. And just like maybe you and me and most people, they've never given feedback before. They're not great communicators. They don't know what real leadership is. They have resentment towards their wives. I ask them, hey, do you have a date night set? No, what's a date night? I haven't been on a date for four months. It's like, you don't have a set date night. What, what about us? So we teach them how to schedule their workouts in, their meal plans, their date nights, and then build your business around it. And how do you hire the right people like I do so that they can run your business so you can buy back your time? And But we also put them through physical exercises that overwhelm them emotionally and mentally so that they can have confrontation for the first time ever and stop being passive aggressive mm -hmm. in the workplace and in the family. So it's 75 hours of very intense therapy, which is why I call it very emotionally violent. Right. Um, after the 75 hours, these men who graduate the project end up being some of the most toughest emotionally and mentally because it's almost like your thermostat went from delicate to badass intense in every yeah. category. Why is it, I mean, as, as men and basically we're white men, you know, you're, you're Armenian, I'm Jewish, so we're not straight down the aisle white, but, you know, pretty privileged. Why is it that you think like people are struggling with some of these things when, when like basically whatever they want is right in front of them? Yeah, it's, it's cultural. It's just how we're raised, you know, hey, tough it up. Yeah. And, and as men, it's, I think it's in our DNA to not complain. It's in our DNA to want to be the, the, the protector and the provider. But at some point we realize like, man, I'm stressing out. I'm overwhelmed. And you know how this is. Like my wife and her friends can go out and go to dinner and have a glass of wine and talk in depth about their problems, their fears, their frustrations, their desires. Yeah. A group of men... Like I, I went out years ago, I went out to Vegas with a group of my friends who I've known really well. The conversation was so shallow and superficial. How's the weather in your state? Mm -hmm. What about the sports team? What do you bench these days? And, I re and then, of course, while we were in Vegas, we went on a hike, the uh, Red Rock, uh, yeah. Red Rock uh, hiking area there in Vegas. And as we were doing this physical exercise and looking forward, not looking each other in the eyes, we started to all open up. Yeah, man, marriage isn't going so well. Kind of stressed out with business. Think I got to fire a few people, but I don't know how to let them go. I'm really pissed off at some of my employees. Like I would hear this stuff. I'm like, oh, shoot. Like men cannot sit around, look each other in the eyes and have in-depth conversation. It's just not in our DNA. We, but yet if we're doing something active physically, we're in that trance. And it turns out there's a, there's a term for it called EMDR in, in psychology which is anytime you do something repetitive, swimming, working out, whatever, you have all this clarity and this amazing thought. For men, especially when we're looking ahead, not looking at each other in the eyes and doing something physical, we tend to want to open up more. And I realized, holy smokes, I can create something for entrepreneurs run by a Marine and a Navy SEAL and really teach these guys so many things on so many levels from leadership to emotional mm -hmm. discipline to, to structure, to scaling their business, to being decisive, to you name it all in 75 hours. And that's how it kind of came about. That's awesome. So it's almost like we got to get, we got to get our bodies moving, get yes. the endorphins rolling and the guard starts to come down. That's exactly it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We were at a, a, we got tickets to a Duke basketball game, you know, outside of Duke basketball, I don't really play sports ball myself, but you know, my wife said, well, how come guys like, why is it okay for them to pat each other on the butt? And it's basically <laughs> like, Basketball and football, you can pat each other on the butt, but not in the gym. 
Not right. a CrossFit, you know. Honey, yeah. I they work. What, what is the reason for that? I don't know. I, I, don't, I think it's somewhere along the same thing. It's like, hey, good, you know, pat him on the butt. Good, good shot. And, like, so in those physical activities, that boundary is not there. But yeah. at work and in life and in other activities, there is this very strong boundary about with other men what you can and cannot say, even yeah. if you've known each other for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And as it turns out, uh, you know, I also learned something. You think about all of history, men have gone to war and battle together, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a great quote that people misinterpret, which is, blood is thicker than water. You've probably heard that quote. Yeah. It's actually misinterpreted. The real quote, when you look it up, is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, mm -hmm. meaning that the blood of the people that have suffered together, gone to war, gone to battle, overcome adversity together, that blood, if you and I built a house in Costa Rica together for people, we would develop a deeper bond than the bond that I would have with my brother or sister who I shared a womb with. Mm. It's really the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. And people have misinterpreted that to blood is thicker than water, which is not. And so men who go to battle together, this is why they get so tight with their battle buddies. And so really what we did is once we figured out, look, on the football field, these guys that have played sports together. The other day I interviewed another NFL champion who's like in his 50s now. He, had, he played with like Refrigerator Perry and all that for Chicago Bears. And um, he's like, dude, I still meet with them all once a year and we connect, we hug because they've been on the battlefield of right. sports together. And when men are, we're just, it's in our DNA. And so if I can create that environment for us to go to physical battle, emotional stress over a mm -hmm. controlled amount of time, it does create a bond that we would otherwise never develop. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So with everything that you do <laughs> with this franchise, and I mean, I know you've probably got a good handful or a dozen other businesses you're invested in. How do you make time for this? Again, it's, it's having great people around me. Yeah. So I'm, if you look at what I do as the rock band, as a rock band, I'm the guy up front with the mic. What people don't realize is it's not just a drummer, a guy on the horns, and a guy on a guitar. There's people on the equalizers, on the lights. Like, there's a whole team of all the right people who are incredibly talented that make mm -hmm. me look amazing and larger than life. Uh, right now, as I'm doing this, in fact, maybe I can do this for you. I'm going to flip this around. You're going to see that guy right there. That's Ed. You know Ed. Yeah, what's up, Ed? There, and he's got a camera there, and he's recording all this in my office. And he will end up editing some of the best parts of this to great music with quick cuts and intelligent drops. Then he makes me sound bigger and better than I am in real life. And then we'll put that on social media. And, if, and he'll color correct it. And if he didn't do all that, I'm just Bedros, the foreigner who created a business. That's, right. that's it. But a great team allows me then to do all this. And, and you, know, you know this because I literally walked in and this computer was already set up. Joan, Ed's wife set this up and click the link and I walked in and everything was ready. So the better your team, the mm -hmm. higher you all scale together. That's awesome. So Bedros, if I lined up 10 people, they all have the same qualifications, resume look the same, maybe their faces look the same, I don't know. But what would be the, what would be the thing that you would look for? What's the one thing that you would look for when hiring someone to come onto your team, no matter what position they're gonna fill? I'm actually going to tell you that exactly because we have that happen all the time. We're always hiring and my team does first and second interviews and I do the final interviews and with all the people that they consider to be on the final string of interviews, I'm like, look, if you've gone through the last two interviews, then we know that you're qualified in your skill sets and your ability and you're liked. Now I don't want to know any of that stuff. It's just you and me, two people sitting at a bar. Let's just talk. Mm -hmm. How's life? What was the most stressful time you've had? And I just literally talked like, and I set the scene. I'm like, we're two guys or a guy and a gal, depending on who it is. We're at an airport. Our flights are delayed. We're sitting in an airport bar getting drinks. Can I talk to you that way? And once they say, yes, you can, then I'm like, all right, let me tell you about me, man. I'm intense. I'm unreasonable. I'm a control freak. I wouldn't even know why someone like you would want to come work here. Like, is there any reason why you'd want to be here right now? Because you have seen my social media, right? I am nuts. I'm crazy. I'm, I wouldn't want to work for me. And they're like, they, they'll either laugh or they get puckered yeah. or they go, so I've had little people go, you know what? You're right. I'm out of here. Thanks for being that open. So mm -hmm. I'll just have that conversation that I would have if I was a couple drinks in. 
And they either go, because I'm crazy just like you. Ed, right here across, across from me. The dude, he's awesome at videography. And it's so weird talking about you, Ed, as you're standing here. But he's awesome at videography. One day I'm like, hey, Ed, how did you learn this? He goes, oh, YouTube. Like, he learned all this from YouTube. And the, the man's like filmed uh, P. Diddy and Dr. Dre and taking pictures for Complex Magazine. And I'm grateful that he works for me now. YouTube, like he's a guy that's just intense and he figures it out. And then, and then he's a great DJ. On the weekends, he does DJing stuff. I'm like, Ed, how did you learn that? Like he does all the music and stuff for our project videos that are just sick. He goes, YouTube. And then recently, a few of us started doing jujitsu. Ed starts doing jujitsu and then he locks on, he's intense and he goes three times a week and he just got his purple belt and now his daughter's in it. Like Ed is not normal. Ed mm -hmm. is unreasonable. Ed is not the type of people that most people would want to work for because he has higher expectations. But Ed and I work together great because we're both freaking nuts and unreasonable. So I look for more kooky people like him by asking them the questions and showing my true colors immediately. And they either leave or they're like, man, I found my person. Let's go. Right. So awesome. That's so great. Because I think one of the biggest things people like are afraid of is you know, one is really failure, but like failing by scaling, like, oh, I can't possibly do that. Maybe it is imposter syndrome or it's, I can't be responsible for that person's livelihood or like, what are the, like, th that was where I was a while back. I was like, how do I do that? And then at a certain point, it's like, even I asked you last week, can be, be, how do I see three levels up? What's the key to knowing that if, if I or someone listening needs to hire someone, like taking the chance to do it, yeah. Like, how do we know, like, if I take this chance, it's going to pay off? Or like, what's the key to making sure that it does? Ooh, great questions. Aaron, you do ask the right questions. And, <laughs> and, and I love that. And it's about stacking the W's. You stack the wins. So this is going to be crazy. Imagine, well, I know you do this. So I'm going to use someone else. Imagine <laughs> someone wakes up in the morning and they, but they hit the snooze button twice before they finally got up. Right? That's a, that's a loss because they promised themselves that they'd wake up at 5 a.m. They set the alarm for 5 a.m. the night before, but now they woke up at 5.30 because they hit the snooze button twice. And then they said they were going to go to the gym to themselves, but now it's 5.30. They woke up late. They skipped the gym. That's another L that they stacked, another loss. And then they said they were going to prep meals and take it with them, but they can't because they're already running behind. And so there's no meal prep. They're eating Kentucky Fried Chicken. There's another L. And then because they're in a frazzle, uh, they go and get a sugary caffeine-laden coffee drink from Starbucks, and now there's sugar spikes and their caffeine spikes, and because of all that energy they took in, they're getting anxiety. Now they're anxious, and they have an anxiety attack. There's another L by, by 8, 8 a.m., right? Now imagine all the losses they're putting in. Now that person, by the end of the day, comes home stressed out, low willpower, and they see the bagel and the cream cheese. Like, I need dopamines. They don't actually say that, but the brain says that. And we know carbs and fat together increase dopamine, just like sugar does. So they just dive onto that food. It's emotional eating. They're eating their emotions. Yet more L's. They probably had a dozen or two losses throughout the day because of that one loss in the beginning. Yeah. That person, when it's time for them to scale their business and hire someone, like a high-level leader, so they can buy back their time, like a VP, they're like, oh, shit, I don't know, man. I'm not confident this is going to work out. Well, why aren't they confident? Because... They're not even confident in their ability to hit the, not hit the freaking snooze button, man. Not, to work out, to eat right. Small things they're not confident in. How can they be confident in paying someone $10,000, $15,000 a month as a VP? On the flip side, Aaron LeBauer wakes up when he says he's going to wake up. He's got a list to work off the first thing in the morning. He gets his workouts in when he says he's going to. He eats right. He, he, he sends out his gratitude text messages or he does his yoga or whatever it is. You, 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 you meal prep. You're stacking the W's, baby. Win after win after win. At the end of the day, coach says, Aaron, it's time for you to hire a VP. You're like, shit, man. I got this because I am confident because I say something and I do it. So I'm confident that I'm going to hire someone and I'm going to do it and they're going to be successful. It's about stacking the little W's. And most people think those are just trivial. It doesn't matter. Those little wins every day build confidence and credibility with ourselves that allow us to make the big decisions and follow through with them. What, um, was there a time like, to, like, cause I, I think you've talked about this there. You call it the man on the white horse is like the, like uh -huh. basically you're swinging for the fences. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Babe Ruth didn't hit out of the park 80% of the time. Right. Like what's the, like, why is that so attractive? And like, where, when, like, tell me about that time when you got stuck doing that. Like, what was, I don't, I can't remember, but I, I remember yeah. you saying that. So, especially when we're newer in business, 
we always think that there's uh there's that one thing that I got to do. If I do this one thing, it's going to be a home run and everything's going to change. Yeah. The one thing, this one marketing campaign is going to change everything. If I just hire this one front desk person, everything will change. If, if my one thing happens right, it's going to be a home run. The reality is, and I know a lot of successful people from like celebrities to athletes to world-class entrepreneurs, most of them, like 99.99999, so let's just say all of them, have gotten to where they are with singles and doubles. Yeah not even a triple or a consistent home run, right? And so we think that somehow this, if I hire this white, right, right person, uh, which is I call it the man on the white horse, if this one person, the marketing guy, the sales guy, they're going to change everything. The man on the white horse is going to gallop in and save the day. When in reality, there is no man or woman on the right, white horse that's going to gallop in. It's more like a, a, a cripple on a donkey. Uh, when, when as it gets closer, you're like, oh, they're just another regular human like I am. They have their own faults. They have their own insecurities and their own setbacks in life. And I need to build this person up so that they can start hitting doubles and singles like I am. And now together, the two of us hitting doubles and singles will get us the outcome. And that's because you're not, you're not hitting wins, you're hitting losses. And you're like, I just need this one last thing. And it's like this that's desperation it. move. That's because, exactly. I mean, it's easy to get stuck there sometimes, you it, know, it is. it is, it becomes this OODA loop, you know, and I recently learned what the term OODA loop means. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a, like fighter pilots use it. It's like yeah. they're flying and they, you know, at Mach 2 and they see a little speck way out there on their radar. And UDA stands for observe, orient, decide, act. UDA loop. And if you're observing, orienting, and then you make a decision and I have to act. Do I dive? Do I go up? Do I shoot a missile? Are they friendly? Are they foes? And we get stuck in this OODA loop of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And we never get to decide and act because we're always trying to observe and mm -hmm. orient, observe mm -hmm. and because we're almost in this limbic state. You have to take right. a step back, breathe, go through your mental checklist, just like a fighter jet pilot would and go, okay, this is what I see. Can I put in a call in and go, hey, what do you guys see on the ground? Is that a bad guy? Do I shoot him or not? And then confirm, right? And, and when we do that, we get out of that OODA loop. Right. And then we observe... We decide, or, or we observe, or OODA loop, right? Observe, observe orient, orient. Oh, yeah, observe, orient, decide, act. Yes. And if we do that little bits at a time, like making our bed, you know, taking and, the kids to school on mm -hmm. the days we say we're going to do it and showing up when we say, then that allows us to have, to have a bigger confidence in us making decisions that seem big to us at the moment, but looking yeah. back, they're probably pretty small. Exactly. So tell me, like, I love the hat, the man up hat. Like we've talked a little bit about the book, you know, before we finish up, just briefly tell me like, why man up? Like what, what does that mean to you? And why is that this personal like mantra, this, the title yeah. of your book, like where does that come from? Well, look, I was a, I was a big scaredy cat in business, man. I told you leadership is not factory installed for me. And as Fit Body Bootcamp began to grow, and most people don't know the story of Fit Body Bootcamp. I actually started off with a business partner. He's a, he's a, Fantastic human being, Aaron. Fantastic. No one has made me laugh more than this guy. Just a good guy, but a horrible business partner. And I was a horrible business partner to him because I was a poor communicator. I was emotional. I was indecisive and I was unclear mm -hmm. in my communication. Well, same with him. And so we had two messed up cooks in the kitchen and the kitchen was going nowhere very quickly. And so uh, one day, I knew that like this relationship that started off good was getting very tense, very aggressive, very adversarial. And I wanted to part ways with him for a long time. And I was so okay with him taking Fit Body Bootcamp or me taking it. But one of us have to take it and we can't be business partners anymore. I put that off for almost a whole year until one day something happened that broke, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. And it was to the point where we were on vacation with my family and I had my wife I said, hey, pack up the kids. We're going home early. I got to talk to this guy. Like, that's how big the event was. And as I'm driving home to drop off my wife and kids and then go meet this guy in the office, the whole time, I keep having this inner dialogue, man up, be just man up and do it finally. Like, man up, because I kept negotiating with my inner bitch. Like, no, I'm sure he made a mistake. I'm sure it wasn't intentional. I'm sure you guys can talk through it. I'm sure you could just ignore it because that's what I normally did, right? Mm -hmm. Which got me stressed, overwhelmed, and, and built so much resentment towards him. And so ultimately, Aaron, I had just literally, just man up, dude, just man up, dude. I had this inner conversation, man up, and I realized what man up is, is my personal mantra 
a call to action. I know I'm meant for more. I know I have greater potential. I know I have bigger purpose on this planet. And I need to man up and have the conversations, make the decisions, take the actions that I'm supposed to take to become the man, the leader that I'm supposed to be. And so it's not a sexist thing. It's not a thing other than I, it was a self-conversation that I had, uh, a call to action to man up to my higher self during the times when I was most emotionally weakest. And so I titled the book Man Up as in human up to your highest level. Yeah, that's so awesome. Well, it's it's been incredible to see like from when I first was reading all your emails 12 years ago and watching your videos to see what you've changed and how you've changed, even though I was gone for about eight years in the middle, like I can tell a huge difference in the way you deliver your message to people just through the way you stand and your, the way you communicate and everything. So, I mean, I, I can tell you've done in a lot, an incredible amount of work Thank in growing you. yourself. Well, first of all, that means a ton. And secondly, I want that to be proof that there's nothing special and unique about me. The reason I can communicate my message so well and with so much passion and intensity is because I constantly put in the sets and reps, Aaron, because remember, I'm that foreigner that came from a different country that didn't speak English, didn't understand the culture, and was abused sexually and physically. The, the, the odds should be stacked against me. And it was nothing but sets and reps over and over again that helped me get better as a communicator, that helped me fight through the accent and get rid of my accent, that helped me become one of the greatest communicators on the planet now. And that's not something that I said. That's something that the great and powerful Ed Milet said about me, which, uh, you know, to me, I wear that as a badge of honor because I believe Ed Milet is just one of the greatest communicators ever. And for him to say that about me, like, what an honor. So everyone can do that if they're willing to do the work. Right. That's so awesome. So uh, if someone wants to learn a little bit more about you, besides coming to see you speak at PT BizCon, you know, which you're coming, I'm super excited about, you know, where can they find you online if they're listening to the podcast? Uh, good question. I've just fascinated with Instagram right now. So they can find me on Instagram at Bedros Koulian, or they can just go to manup.com. And uh, that's kind of my hub site where you can learn more about me, get my book and just learn about the, the, the mission and the vision that I'm leading forward. That's so awesome. So B, thanks so much for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to come on the show. It's really an honor to me and I really appreciate it a ton. Aaron, thank you so much for the opportunity, man. All right. Thank you guys. This is the Cash BG Lunch Hour for Aaron LeBauer and Bedros Koulian. Man up, take action and get shit done. And we'll see you on the next show. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice or you already have one and you want to learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint, because I want to get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I want to give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T-B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K.com. And we get your copy, give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.